Welcome to Rink Wrap, the podcast. I'm Mick Collagio. I'm your host for Rink Wrap, the Bruins podcast. You can hear it on a vari- in a variety of platforms. You can get it with uh, iTunes. You can find it on Google Play. You can find it at O-M-N-Y, Omni with a Y. And uh, we'll also link to it on our website, uh, Standard Times in New Bedford, Mass. Our website is www.southcoasttoday.com and also on my Bruins blog, which is blogs.southcoasttoday.com slash Bruins. So uh, Rink Wrap the Podcast, episode number six, and it is my uh, great joy and privilege to bring on uh, Boston Globe uh, writer uh, Kevin Paul DuPont, uh, whom I really kind of uh, became friends when we did the New England Hockey I Journal know. show <laughs> with Eric Siemens. Uh, yes. He bought airtime. He put us on the air. No one was paying attention to the Bruins. There was only one sports radio uh, team in town and, and uh, radio station in town, and, and and we know how they are with hockey. So, <laughs> <laughs> so and it was anyway. great fun. We had great fun with it. We and, did. and Matt Kalman came in. That's so right. Three of us. That's right. Did and over the Schraff's building, as I remember. Uh, that was our last stop. We yeah. probably met in Burlington when we were on fifteen ten the yeah. zone. Oh yes, the o three o four season, which was the uh, season that preceded the dark winter. And the New England Hockey Journal show was out of business for two years. Uh, the first because there was no NHL. The second because of the uh, slow advertising buck coming back to hockey. Incredibly, what uh, the NHL put back in business as a $2 billion industry uh, is, what, more than double that now? I mean, it's... Uh, sure, just go by the cap, right? That first year cap was... 35, 30, 38, something like that. I remember 39 million. 39, okay. And here it is at low 70s now, And it's so. now that's below the floor. Uh, that is correct. Yes, yeah. So, <laughs> the so they came. They came roaring back. Yeah. We didn't get our show, but so be no. It. Yeah. But I remember when Mike Milbury visited us at the Schraff's building in the 0809 season, which was our, uh, faithfully our last. Uh, he said, "How's it going?" And I said to him, "I said the writing's on the wall. The Bruins are getting good. Everybody's all the former players are going to want to get in this business pretty soon. Big stations will get involved, and and uh, guys like me will be kicked to the curb." <laughs> <laughs> And uh, some predictions you don't want to be right. Yeah, no. We had great fun with that. And uh, the National Hockey League continues to change. Uh, Tonight, uh, Dave Gosher, Colin Miller, Eric Tosi, (laughs) and the uh, Shane Knighty. Uh, and any other former Riley Bruins? Smith. Riley, Riley Smith. Smith. Sorry, Riley. Yeah, on Colin Miller. Sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. And and the, the, another Boston kid, Alex Tuck, because Alex played uh, two years at Boston College. And, there you go. And I was hoping the Bruins would go after Alex Tuck this past June that when he was dealt from Minnesota to, uh, to Vegas and uh, the Bruins were talking about dealing the number one pick. They ended up going with Vakanainen, but uh, uh-huh. I thought Tuck would be a good good kind of purchase with that first round pick. Didn't happen, and Alex is having a pretty good start. And so is this team. It's incredible. Yeah. The, the, we're talking about the Las Vegas Golden Knights, who in their the first expansion team ever to start a uh, a life at three and zero, and now is what eight and one is it? I don't know. No, they've lost the, two now. They've lost the last. They've two. lost the last two. Okay. I have to say, based on the start, I don't. I'm pretty sure I'm right on this. Based on their start, no team since the lockout has failed to make the playoffs with that strong of a start. The only one being. Uh, the Canadians a few years ago got well. Off. That's right. I think they, they were the Winter Classic. Or... They sat out nine and all. Right, and, and lost uh, Carey Price, and, and then, then all two. Yeah, and their only good game for the rest of the year was a Winter Classic. Right. Yeah. 
And they, what a showing that was for the local team. Well, they lost Krejci and Marshan to Marshan with suspension, Krejci injury. Yeah. And uh, they got back Gallagher, which was a huge uh, boost for yeah. them. Um, and, um, you know, it's kind of like a microcosm what happened in that 2010 series with the Flyers, where the Bruins had the 3 nothing series in Game 7 leads. They lose Krejci halfway through, right. and they get back Simone Gagne next game, and he scores the power play winning goal, Simone Gagne. So anyway, uh, but that's that's all water under the under the bridge. Um, uh, Kevin, uh, you are back on the beat after some time away from it. Uh, you got kicked upstairs to being a um, like the, from being the beat writer to being the the, the hockey columnist, right. and then you got kicked out of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the next thing I know, you're writing about all kinds of god awful things in the globe. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't necessarily see it as being kicked out, but that's. I suppose that terminology is true. Well, it's but we've gone through it as every newspaper has. We've gone through a whole lot of permutations, and the uh, the truth of the matter is, I've been back now. This is my thirty third year back at the Globe. I came back in eighty five, and we now have a, a, a writing staff in size that is less than half what I came came back to because I'd been a kid, went away, came back. Mm-hmm. So we're dealing now with half the writing staff we used to have. And as you well know, the copy demand is probably 3x from what it used to be in terms mm-hmm. of what you have to put out because you're, you're writing for the digital constantly. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the old days, we had the Morning Globe and the Evening Globe, and the Sunday Globe was really considered a separate product. Right. So they staffed around that. Well, we now we have, of course – the Daily Globe. We don't have the Evening Globe. We have the Sunday Globe, and then we have the Digital Monster that, it, that they really want that fed with new material as often as you can feed it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it it's you know much of the emphasis there, as you well know, is try to get copy uh, earlier in the day toward the lunch hour because those are those prime. That's hours. when people are looking at these gadgets. Right. That's uh, that's what it's all about now. So this is a long way of saying that the staff has gone through a lot of changes. So I did go from beat guy to what I call the junior varsity columnist role, which would be produce the Sunday notes, write the columns off of the games, which is what Fluto Shinzawa is now doing. Mm-hmm. And then for a whole lot of reasons, Emily Benjamin left. There was a restaffing. NHL.com. NHL.com from Emily Benjamin. And the truth of the matter is I could have gone back to, if you will, that other job, which is the job Fluto's had. But frankly – I didn't feel right about going back to it because Fluto's making his chops on that. He's having fun with it. Mm. He's the new. He's, he's good at it. He's yes, and, then, and I should have prefaced it with all of that by saying he's good at it. Uh, and and let's face it, I'm in the uh, the late evening of my career here, and uh, I was fine going back on day to day beat, and I'm having a blast doing it. And it and, and it's a it's a good fit for me these days because uh, my son's in college. Our only child is in college. And Gates. Gates, thank you, and it's easy to easier for me to travel than it would have been four years ago, five years ago. So, Good point. You know, I get the hall pass from my wife, and I'm let out, and I can come back in a week. I remember she gave me the hall pass one day year when we were doing the radio show in '04. Uh, you drove up in a in a convertible sports car. I can't remember if it was Camaro or, or what yeah. it was, but I'm thinking, okay, you, you rented that sucker. That's and not yours. <laughs> That's right. That was two day passes I got. So yeah, no, that, that was probably the Avis weekend pass. But, yeah, yeah. So it's it's uh, it's fun being back on the beat. It's different being the old guy. You know, I it's, it's you've experienced this too. I, 
when I started in the mid to late 70s, I was the youngest guy on the beat. Mm -hmm. And here I am, hard to believe I'm the oldest guy on the beat and, mm -hmm. and just on the verge now of uh, signing up for Medicare. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's quite an experience and it's, it's different relating to not only the other beat people, but management and players. They, it, it is a different relationship. Uh, for better and worse. Uh, I always and, thought, and of the, course, the beat itself has changed dramatically. I'm talking with Kevin Paul Dupont of the Boston Globe. Uh, you are listening to Rink Wrap, the Bruins podcast. I'm your host, Mick Collagio. And just as a reminder, you can find episodes of prior episodes of Rink Wrap, the podcast, via OMNY Omni, or on Google Play, or iTunes, or via our website, www.southcoasttoday.com, or even linked to my blog which is blogs.southcoasttoday.com slash Bruins. Uh, Kevin, uh, your re-entry into the day-to-day -day life of the NHL, I always thought one of your great strengths as a journalist was your ability to step back and take a snapshot of a situation, the human minds involved, the raw emotions involved, and encapsulate it in clever ways and... It seems as though that's probably got to be a greater challenge now mm. because of your separation from the game during a time when it changed an awful lot. Ooh. The players got younger. They got the money younger. There's been a whole new revolution of statistical information that is that is uh, the portal through which a lot of people uh, look at the game. And, um, and, you know, I'm still more in the cap raider kind of group. You know, I got my index finger and my middle finger to my eyeballs, and I point them at the rink and say, you want to see my stats? And then I point them at the rink and say, there's my stats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, first of all, thank you for the kind words. Um, it, it, it's, it's different in so many ways, and to steal your great term, it's go-kart hockey. And, and so uh, the game itself in terms of how it's played has changed. Uh, our access to the athletes has changed dramatically, as you know. It's far more controlled. They're, they just don't open the room now and let us go in and talk to people. They do, uh, but they, they only make so many people. Show. Right. It's, it's, it's a scrum. Yeah. And they make sure one of their own is there every time we talk yes. to a player so that they get to break their own news. Correct. They don't ever want anybody breaking the news. Uh, it, it doesn't hurt somebody like me because I would have lost to you, but it really hurts the big papers. The yes, yeah. And, and, and frankly, that could change the dynamic because I don't know if this is much, too much inside baseball for your listeners, but it, it, at some point, I think papers, newspapers that don't share in any of the revenue will say, wait a minute, why are we spending all this money for travel, all this money for personnel when we're not getting access, access? or we're, we're certainly not getting exclusive access? Uh, and they don't even make those times available where we could get exclusive act. And, and frankly, what they've, what teams have done. This isn't just the Bruins, but this is league wide in the national. They've monetized it. They, they and they sports have, wise, they've figured out ways to make money from it. And God bless them. Mm -hmm. And we've lost that ability to make money because we don't have advertising anymore, and it's far more digital subscription now is what's driving the business. So it's getting trickier. I just don't know if. If, if the Globe or the Herald can justify spending four or $5,000 to a week to be out with the team in terms of personnel, mm -hmm. in terms of travel, air, hotels, if that's going to get out, which would be sad for me because really newspapers have done that in this town for decades. Mm. Uh, the Bruins, the Globe has covered every Bruins game and practice for the better part of half a century. If you really want to dig into my jealousy, the Globe used to send you to Wimbledon. 
Oh yes, yeah, that's another issue. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and that that was good fun. I don't want to, We don't want to hijack this podcast on hockey about Wimbledon about tennis, but yeah, for a number of years. Uh, and 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 that's a very good example. I was the last guy to be doing that regularly for the Globe, and there was a time not only did I go, Bud Collins was there, which was a great joy, and Bud was producing columns for the Globe, mm. uh, and now our, our Wimbledon coverage has gone to zero. Uh, and hand in hand with that, our horse racing coverage has gone to zero. Our uh, outdoors writing. There was a time we had two full time outdoors writers. Uh, Just don't have the column inches anymore for that kind of thing. Right, right. Now we, we you would have an insatiable, un, uh, in, infinite amount of space on the digital platform if you could if, support it with the advertising. If you wanted to, yeah. If you wanted and, and, and uh, to do that, to hire that writer and pay the writer and pay his benefits and yada yada yada. Uh, that that would take some money, and that's not where the business is right now. What I am heartened by is the fact that the Washington Post and the New York Times are absolutely killing it in terms of digital subscription, uh, contrary to the political spin that's being given off of 1600 uh, Pennsylvania Avenue. Both those products are thriving. They're adding tens of thousands paid subscriptions a day and uh, doing a great job. So there, there's... There is some optimism there. However, as you well know, there isn't another paper in the country other than Wall Street Journal that comes close in terms of that sort of digital volume. Um, you also have this new thing happening. Nationally, it's the athletic. Actually, yes. continentally, it's the athletic. And then locally, the Boston Sports Journal, which is yeah. uh, which is very modeled very much after what uh, Dejan uh, yeah. uh Kosovic, yeah. yeah, Pittsburgh in, guy, in Pittsburgh. yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so we have this new uh, sports concentrated. Joey McDonald works for the yeah. Joey Mac works for the local uh, chapter, um, and and you have uh, uh, this new thing. I don't know if they can make that fly. I yeah, think that it was very difficult to say uh, pay us, but I'm amazed at the people, the level of careers that have gone. Left, you know, the Globe and Mail, Eric uh, yeah, Duhatchik. Yeah, Eric Duhatchik, Yeah, sure. so perfect. You know, I mean. Yeah. Uh, Craig Custance in yeah. Detroit. I mean, these, these guys are top flight in their field. Yes. So so uh, it's. So it's, for, for the listeners who don't know, they, essentially what these town, the individual towns are doing are running their own print or digital sports sections right. as independent properties and asking that people pay. And in some cases, and certainly in Pittsburgh, they're doing it. And and what I found, I'm sure you saw this story in the New York Times, is the is the heavyweights or owners of the athletic, they, they, they're making it their mission to put major metropolitan newspapers out of the business. They, 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 <laughs> that's their stated mission. I feel like the leagues are trying to do that anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and, and that, those are the forces. And that, that creates the whole dilemma, if you will, or, or uh, issue of what, what are major met metropolitan sports editors asking of their writers now? Yeah. Should the Globe have two Red Sox beat writers, a Bruins beat writer, mm. or should they just abandon that model and just ask their people to go produce one good Bruins story a day? Mm. Uh, and, maybe, and maybe that's where it will go. I always wonder why don't was in the daily newspaper, which went, you know, most of the evening editions went AM in the 80s and 90s in order to break news. Now that we know we can't break news in print anymore, right. 
why don't we go back to the old model? Because the number one complaint newspapers get is, uh, I didn't get my paper. Right. Now, if you get back to the kid on the bicycle and let's go back to Ozzie and Harriet, maybe, <laughs> maybe we get a chance here. But I don't think that there's, I think that this, the, the decline, however gradual, is so steady. And that that, that everybody yeah that everybody yeah. knows that there's an inevitability about it. So yeah, I, 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 it's not coming back, yeah. is it? Uh, I did not intend for us to go totally into no, I know. the demise no. of the newspaper as you and I knew it. Yeah. But um, uh, my my uh, bad for taking our, our readers that no, our but listeners but, that far uh, yeah. Freudian slip. <laughs> <laughs> but but what it what it amounts to is that newspapers still do thrive in their different form. What the Washington Post and New York Times have done for the last nine and 12 months is phenomenal journalism. And there is always going to be room for great and even less than great, but solid journalism. It's just going to be packaged differently, sold differently. And uh, no one at the current hour knows exactly what that model is going to look like. All right, it's Mick Collagio, Rink Wrap the Podcast, and we're talking with the Boston Globe uh, uh, hockey writer, Kevin Paul DuPont. And Kevin, let's 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 go to the Bruins here. Yep. Uh, we're down David Backus now, eight weeks. We're already out uh, Ryan Spooner. We're already out David Krejci sure. with a back issue, which is the mysteriously most scariest one of all uh, when you start talking back and you start talking oh. about a player in his thirties. Yeah. Backs um, are awful. Uh, so, um, you know, Nathan Horton, how quickly did his career disintegrate? Sure. Uh, so, uh, cause it affects every move you make out there. It's yeah. Easy, I mean, obviously you've got a blown out knee or the, there's no good injury is there, but the back thing, you think you've got it in control and you don't. And it, it, it affects your skating. It affects your passing. It's, it's, it's every and for him, it's got to be one of those fine-tuned things in order for him to uh, be at his best where all hell breaks loose in his game. Uh, so what, uh, presuming the health that the Bruins no longer have, what were your expectations for this team and as they integrated so much youth? And, and how is that changed by what they're going through right now? And would that change your brain looking at it from a Don Sweeney angle? Well, going to the camp, I, I, had, it, I had them – doing exactly what they did last year, which was chasing a, a number seven or a number eight seed. And I had an asterisk on that be, uh, for obvious reason, because they were infusing the lineup with these three rookies, namely, uh, namely uh, DeBrusque and, and uh, Anders Bjork. Anders Bjork up front and Charlie McAvoy in back. So of the three, clearly McAvoy is the is – the, uh, the stud. The, yeah, he's the stud. <laughs> he's the most assertive, the most skilled – and uh, and the most exciting. That said, I think the other two, uh, I think the other two are going to make it. I don't know what their uh, trajectory is going to be. I, I really like Bjork's speed, although give, you know, given what the lineup is right now, you, you don't get to really see that. Uh, Nebraska's more straight line. He's, he's, he's got to have some net presence. We haven't seen much of that the last three or four games. So, but again, they're kids. It, it's, that goes with the territory. Right. And the asterisk being who, who knew what they were going to be. I, I didn't. I, I saw them in camp. I, I, you know, I read the clips like everybody else. Mm. Uh, they're impressive kids, I, but there's there's never knowing with these kids. Just like right, even Brandon Carlo, who had a full yes. NHL season behind him. He's come out here and quite predictably has plateaued. He's kind of what he he's kind of what he was last year, and and uh, a little bit up, a little bit down, but pretty much that guy. It's going to take years for him to become what the Bruins feel he can be. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I mean, it's some of that I think is just that we expect him to be, we expect him to be good, and he is good. 
what, what I thought last year, especially when they moved from Julian to Butch Cassidy, was that they w- they'd give him some rope because he does have really he does he has real legs, so mm-hmm. he he can take some chances. And I thought he there was one game early last year where he did take a couple of chances. He came down, he pinched down, he made nice shots that he recovered quickly. So I thought they'd activate him more, and they haven't. Now, whether that's be for whatever reason, they haven't. Maybe because the focus is so much on Charlie McAvoy yeah. and everybody anticipates. I think Carlos got a little bit of that Dan McGillis thing where he can have a great game every now and then, but it can fool me into thinking that that he's capable of just building from there and going up, whereas he's the kind of player that, for whatever reason, if – Idea one doesn't work and he can't play it, the game at high tempo uninterrupted. If there's a pause and he needs to improvise, then all of a sudden he's very average. That second yeah. or third thing with him doesn't come as naturally as it. Like McAvoy's a tremendous improviser out there. Right. He's got, he's got uh, like scary potential as far as how good he could get as just being a game controller. Yeah. What, what I love about McAvoy is, is his passes in the offensive end. He takes some very difficult passes and he nails them. Mm, uh, that, he catches them too. Yeah. Yes, and that's rare today. It's rare, it's rare to see kids, anyone, attempt those passes, and he makes them. Some of them no look. He, he, so I think he's going to develop into an exciting player. Carlo, I get the idea that he hasn't been either. He hasn't taken that risk, or he's played in systems or in situations where he hasn't been asked. Or mm. I think. It, so much of the well, game. He's big. He's tough. You know. Yeah, so I, I a think lot you, of you and I would agree with this mold uh, yeah. kind of thinking there. Yeah, and I was going to say robotic. So much of the game now is robotic that these kids get channeled into a certain style of play very early. System. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is of course most pronounced with the goaltenders. The goaltenders are, are are all operating on robotics in terms of how they save their positioning. Even their spectacular reactions are rehearsed. Right. Right. So, and, and some of that is the rule book. Uh, one, one, the part of the game, and there are many parts of the game that drive me crazy because that's what I, I live to be driven crazy. But uh, <laughs> you must listen to sports radio. Yeah. <laughs> the, the part that gets me is the goalie is down in the butterfly when the net is behind, when the puck is behind the goal line. Oh, you're just kind of watching the game from his knees. Yes. Tuca does that. It sh- many of them do. It should be an illegal defense. It should be a two-minute penalty right there, same as covering your hand on the puck. He has, he has cut the net down from four by six to three by six mm-hmm. with no threat of a goal. Mm-hmm. It's behind the goal line. That's probably what he should have done the other night on that faceoff against the Kings. Yes. He should have laid down like Gump Worsley and stacked the pads. Right, right, right. the old Eddie Andelman. The the, the, exactly. Yeah, the, the, the literally a bear, yeah, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> So to me, that's a legal defense, and they should address it because if you go back and look at, you'll know the number exactly, Phil Esposito's career goals, I don't know, 577, whatever they were, yeah. you know, all but 11 of them yeah. were scored off somebody's quick dish from behind the goal line, and he knocked it home. All right. He was a right? hockey. They were the Bruins back then. They were the, they were the table hockey team. The wingers actually dug the puck out of the corners and centered it, and the center jammed it in. Right. Well, you can't. That that goal is off the face of the earth now. Yeah, because it's a Bergeron on the power play. He kind of goes Espo now, but right. but that's not doable in the five on five game. No, it isn't. 
No, because you can't. You, first of all, you can't feed it out. Right. But in those instances where you see it, and you see it on the power play, you see it, the, 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 the man should be, the goalie has to be on his feet. If it's forward of the goal line, fine. If he wants to stay down, mm-hmm. behind should be up. No, yeah, my, my biggie with the goalies is is let's get that catching glove back to Jerry Cheever's size. Yeah, that's another Nobody's issue. Nobody's got a hand big enough to justify an 18-inch diagonal maximum that doesn't count the blocking protector around the wrist. Right. That's crazy. Right. Right. So, but I but mean, but in the in the larger conversation we're having in terms of robotics, uh, I think these kids really do get channeled into a style of play. They are not asked to think outside this sort of very narrow definition of how the game is played. Mm-hmm. There's no exploration, and and I, I I was dwelling on it this summer because one of the, the, the sort of the most uh, engaging or amusing stories I've done in years is I. I ended up in Gananoque, uh, Southern Ontario. Uh, during the season, I stopped because I want. That's where the Bruins discovered Bobby Orr. All right, when he, he had just turned thirteen years old. Oh, and you did the great story on the two guys they went to scout. Right, thank you. So, uh, so I went there. But you know, when you go back and look at what Orr's orientation to the game as a kid was, mm-hmm. it was playing outside on 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 on, right. on, on the lake, on, on the right. pond, on the on the way the, you and I learned it. Right. And you know what it was? It was playing keep away. It mm-hmm. was getting the puck and having kids chase him, and he could keep it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Now it's everybody plays literally in the 100 by 200, 85 by 200 foot box. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever plays outside. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not to say if you go play outside, you'll be a great player. Well, and I'm if they saying, do, it's a big event, and they still have co- coaches with clipboards, and they still yeah. have the shoveling has to stop at 200 feet. Right. You know what I mean? It's still right. the same thing. Right. So, so there's the, there's a lot of demand. Hard to open the, the mind. Yes. Yeah. There's no exploration. There's a, it's it's very much mm. whatever you want. Skills to call it. are there. Paint by there number. are definitely skills. Yes. I'm not so sure Fitness. we got imagination. No, there's no imagination. There, there's virtually none. So when you do see it, when you do see a kid like McAvoy who's showing some of it, yeah. that, that's it, it. To me, it, it jumps out. It's special. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's special. So uh, now. What has changed dramatically as well is the fitness of these kids, the conditioning, their their, their professionalism. To talk to eighteen year, nineteen year old kids, uh, they know they you know they're educated on the game. There's no question about that. They're educated about their bodies. They, they know become exactly. professionals much earlier. In right. You know the parents are plugging in them to family advisors at ages thirteen and fourteen. So it's it's a different breed of athlete. Uh, and on the same hand too. Uh, you don't get kids, not only do they not explore the ice surface itself and how to play, they haven't explored life much. They, they've re- really been on, most every professional you talk to now has been on a professional track since the age of 12 or 13. You know, they've never, you know, not that there's any glory in bagging groceries and stop and shop, mm-hmm. but they don't, they haven't done that. One of the sadder things about, and you know, whenever a guy like Zidane Chara hangs him up, Will be that uh, they'll we will have lost the last generation of players who grew up playing outside of the circumstance that we are uh, railing against in this conversation. That's correct. Now his roots, of course, are dramatically different. <laughs> Growing up first under a communist regime and 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 uh, the Czech Republic, the uh, right, the uh, you know the Slovaks mm-hmm. being free. Uh, so vastly different in terms of funding and opportunity. And availability to good coaching, it, it's all there for these kids now. And and really, I, it, 
it goes without saying, you can't make it without plugging into that. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no kid who's just walking off the street at a Division One college program or a top a top junior team, not even a top junior team, but a, a major junior team. That's unheard of. Right. Kevin, thanks so much for coming on today. I really appreciate that went it. fast. It did. We're at like 27 yeah. minutes. Somebody probably needs this room, and they're probably yeah. pacing outside, wondering how long we're going to go. Well, please have me back. I would love to. That'd yeah. be awesome. Kevin DuPont from the Boston Globe, a uh, great friend and a hockey writer over many years, uh, and still uh, doing it, and um, hopefully uh, for at least a couple more seasons after this. I don't know when they're going to, uh, you know, Tell you, hey, Shoot me out you're, of the you're, building. You're, you're done here. I, <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen. Love having you back around. Thanks, man. All right. You have been listening to Rink Wrap, the podcast, episode number six with Kevin Paul DuPont. I'm Mick Collagio, your host. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, on Omni, which is O-M-N-Y, and also through the Standard Times website, southcoasttoday.com, and blogs.southcoasttoday.com slash Bruins. Until our next episode, happy hockey, everyone.